Matthew 28, 19 and 20. If you're there, say amen. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to go jump to Mark 16, 16, 15. It says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature. So go make disciples. Go into all the world. Some of the last words that Jesus gave here on earth. Giving instructions. You see, Jesus never, he's not a God of confusion. He won't leave you confused. You say, well, there's been times I feel like I don't even hear God's voice, but God even gives us instructions and then. He said, just stand still and wait. There are times that we don't hear his voice, but God will always give us instruction no matter what he's doing. And today I want to preach. It's it's a, a short message, I think. I think it'll be a shorter message. But I want us to grab a hold of this. Today, I really, I just want to talk to you from my heart as your pastor today. And I want us to grab a hold of kind of what I was just talking about there for a moment. That to understand that, that what we experience here with the power of the Holy Ghost and what we experience inside these four walls, God never intended for it to stay inside these four walls. But there are lost souls in this world. And that we are here for the same purpose that the God in heaven felt need enough to leave his throne, wrap himself in flesh, come and be born to a virgin, and 33 and a half years later go to a cross and die for us. The same purpose and the same love that, was, that brought him down to do that for you and for me because we were all sinners at one time. We all fall short of the glory. But the same love, what I, what I want to get across today is the same love that took him to a cross. I hope that we can have that same amount of love for every single lost soul in this city. Every lost soul in your family. Everyone in here, you've got somebody you know right now that does not know this message. Or maybe they've heard this message and they've walked away from this message. We need passion restored for souls today. I've been talking about love a lot this month. I've been talking about, you know, loving each other and been talking about, you know, loving the word of God and all those things are great, but I'm telling you, you can love all those things, but if you don't love souls, you're missing the purpose of the church. We'll never fulfill it. So for a few moments, I want to talk on this subject fulfilling his last words. Fulfilling his last words. If you put your Bibles down, let's lift our hands right now. Let's ask the Lord to prepare our hearts right now in this place. Jesus, God, I thank you, Lord. God, what a great 
presence we have felt in this place today. God, your spirit has been so strong and you're ministering unto us. And I thank you for that, oh God. But I ask you right now, if you would, in these last few moments of this service, as we begin to head into an altar call, Lord, I pray, oh God, if you would restore a passion and restore, oh God, a love like never before. I pray, God, that we would take on that love that you have, Lord. I pray that we would take on that desires that you have, Lord. God, so we can see souls like you see souls. God, I help. God, I pray that you would help us to remember today, God, that heaven is real, but so is hell. God, the eternity is real today, God. Remind us, oh Lord, that it might be the fire that is lit behind us, Lord, that would move us, God, to reach the souls that are dying daily in this city and in our families, Lord. Convict us today with your word, I pray. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, look to your neighbor and say, fulfilling his last words. There is an urgency. I don't know if you feel it or not, but there is an urgency in the hour that we are living in. It is an urgency for the church in this hour to go into all the world and to preach this great gospel. There should be an urgency in all of us to tell people about God. We should not look for excuses to try to get around it, but there should be something in us that we're actually looking for opportunities day in and day out to try to tell somebody about how good God has been to us. You see, that's the beauty of a testimony. Everybody in this place today, you've got a testimony. If God pulled you out of something, God saved you. If, you, if you've been baptized in his name, you've had all your sins washed away, you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you're living a different life, you've got a testimony. You say, oh, Pastor, I don't know what to tell somebody. If somebody asks me about God, I, I can't teach a Bible study. Do you know your own personal story? There is your testimony. You share your testimony. I wish I knew how many people have been saved by somebody simply sharing their testimony of how good God is. I heard of one preacher, he would go to a coffee shop every day. And I, after this COVID stuff is gone, I would like to try this. He went to a small coffee shop and he would go up and he, he, he would tell them, here's my, I, I'm, here's my card, I'm going to pay for whatever. And whoever sits down and talks with me, and he would put a little sign up and would say, share your story with me, and I'll share mine with you, and I'll buy you a cup of coffee. And, and listening to the stories of how many people would sit there and start breaking down in tears and crying when he would begin to share with them of where he used to be and where God brought him out of and they didn't realize what they were looking for. They, they, they thought they were just getting a free cup of coffee. But what they were finding was the well that never runs dry. It was a simple testimony. He didn't pull out the big chart. He didn't say, I need the biggest table you got. And I need a big old chart. And I need a, I'm going to do a, a power, PowerPoint presentation. All he needed was his testimony of what God had done for him. Because he understood there are souls hanging in the palace right now. Every day we are losing people. Let's just get close to home right here in this city. We are losing people 
all the time. And those people, those individuals, are not just people, they're souls. They will spend eternity somewhere. How many people have we rubbed shoulders with and we've had the opportunity and we've stood and talked to and you felt the Holy Ghost pushing you to begin to tell your testimony but you just couldn't get it out because we didn't operate in the power. Or the question is, is do we love them enough to get past ourselves to share them? I was reminded this week of a dream that Pastor Anthony Mangan once shared. He said in his dream, he could see a house fire. Flames were ripping through the ceiling. He said, I could see it coming out the roof, and he ran to the house to see if anyone was inside. And in his dream, he, when he arrived, he found, he looked through the door, which was locked. He couldn't get in, and he was pounding on the door, and he found a mother just standing at the sink, minding her own business, washing her dishes as her baby sat on the floor playing with toys. He said, with great urgency, he began to bang on the door, crying out, Your house is on fire. Ma'am, your house is on fire. You're going to be lost. You're going to die. Your baby's going to die. You're going to lose everything. Ma'am, ma'am, look at me. Your house is on fire. He said before she ever turned around, he woke up. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Anthony, there are people dying daily. There are souls going into eternity daily. What are you doing about it? What is your church doing about it? Listen to me this morning. I've preached it. I've preached my guts out from this pulpit. I've taught it. I've preached mercy. I've preached grace. I've preached the importance of the Word of God. I've encouraged everyone to bring your Bible with you. I've preached the words of Jesus. I've preached Acts 2.38 message across this pulpit. I've preached the easy to accept like blessings and love and mercy and grace. I've preached all of that. But I've also stepped on many toes when I called out the spirit of lying and when I called out the spirit of cheating and the spirit of gossip and backbiting. You say, why? Why do I preach what I preach? You want to know why I preach what I preach? Because I long for this church to fall in love with God. Because we need to fall in love with the master. Because when you fall in love with the master, you take on the characteristics of the master. And when you take on the characteristics of the master, you can't help but love souls. I'll never forget... I, was, I know I've shared this story before, but I was leading praise and worship at New Life in Lancaster. And we were in the prayer room. The praise, they always met together before we went up and we prayed before we came out. And I'll never forget, we, we, we dismissed and everybody was walking up and God just stopped me. And I felt to go to a chair and kneel down and pray. And I went over to the chair and kneeled down and began to pray. And I knew I only had minutes before I had to get up and lead praise and worship. 
I just felt an urgency to pray this prayer. I said, God, will you show me today? Show me what you feel in our services. God, will you show me your heartbeat today? God, show me your heartbeat. And I'll never forget that I walked up to that pulpit just like this. This is the exact pulpit. We just have a different logo. And I walked up to that pulpit and I looked back and we started playing the first song. And before I could get the first word out of my mouth, I looked up. And when I did, he showed me his heartbeat. He showed me what he was feeling. And I just went like this and dropped my head as tears began to just fall from my face. And I fell to my knees because I looked out and the presence of God was already there. I felt him in the prayer room. And I looked up and their praise team is singing. Musicians are playing and no one was moving. He said, you want to know what kills me? You want to know what hurts me? It's I gave my life. He said that people can't even stand. People can't even clap. People can't even lift their hands. You want to know my heartbeat? He said, this is how my heart feels when my people won't worship me and they won't serve me. I felt, I can't even explain how bad it felt. I felt like my heart was breaking. That whole first song I could hardly even lead. But there's something, there's something powerful when you start to pray the prayer of God. Let me see things through your eyes. Because I promise you, you won't walk out these doors. You won't go sit at a restaurant and you won't look, you won't sit down and look at your waitress the same this time. But when you look at her or him, you're going to look and you're going to say, that's a soul. That soul's going to spend eternity somewhere. This might be my only opportunity to tell them how much God loves them. This might be it right here. People of faith, people of power. We've experienced, we've experienced the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We experience it every week in this place. We are people of power. We don't operate in it. See, I long for us to fall in love with God. With every aspect of him. That's why I've been preaching about his word. I've been preaching about prayer. I've been talking about fasting. Those kind of things. We've been talking about that. Why? Because that's what will make you fall in love with him. And when you fall in love with the master, you will fall in love with what the master loves. And our God loves souls. To fall in love with souls, you must first fall in love with God. You see, there's one main reason that people love God. But they're not in love with God. Listen. There's a lot of people that sit on pews every Sunday. They love God, but they're not in love with God. You want to know why? One word, submission. They love the idea of God, but they can't submit to the things of God. You see, when you fall in love with God, you submit to his word, whether you like it or not. You submit to his ways even when it's not what you would have chosen. You submit to his voice and you obey 
what his voice is, even when it doesn't make sense. Listen to me this morning. A dog that never submits to his master will always look at his master as the enemy and eventually will attack his master. A Christian that does not, not submit to Christ in everything that they have and, and, and does not truly look at him as their master in, in every situation, I promise you, when something rises up, you will you'll be able to tell those who are submitted and not because there, there are those who call him master, but when something comes up in life, they don't, they don't turn around and attack anybody else. They turn around and they, att- they attack the master because they were never truly submitted to the master in the first place. Understand that obedience brings forth submission, and submission produces blessings of God. The Bible says it's better to obey than it is to sacrifice. Why are we talking about obedience this morning? Pastor, they're talking about souls. Because obedience to the word of God is not optional in a Christian walk with God. And there will be times that God is going to tell you. And there has been times God has told you, I want you to step out of your comfort zone. I want you to go over and talk to that person. Or I want you to go witness this person. And, and, and because of la- you love him, but because of lack of submission, you have missed out on opportunities to tell people about Christ. You say, well, it's not just in me to do that, Lord. You got the Holy Ghost. You got the power, all the power you need. Whatever the word in God instructs us, instructs us to do, we must do it. His word instructs us. Mark 16, 15 says, To go ye into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Look at this. He says, go. It's very easy. Go. Don't sit still. Go. Ye preach gospel every creature. That's simple. That's simple, and that—that's our philosophy here. That—that's—that's—that's—that's that's, that's, that's what we are. We—we we are in the redemption business at LifePoint. That—that's—that's—that's that's, that's what we do. That is our our number one priority in this church is redemption. Is is I, I would I would think and hope that it would be souls. I've talked about we're not a country club. We're not a social club. You don't pay tithes, they're not your fees. You pay tithes because you love him, you're submitted to his word, and it's a commandment to pay him. I'll get off that for now. But you got to understand something. Almost four and a half years ago, began to pray and seek direction for this church in this city. God was giving new things for this hour. I love our history, but you got to understand, I can't pastor this church like Pastor White did. I can't pastor this church like Brother James did. This is a new hour. Same message, new hour. Same message, new demons. New things we're fighting. All right, there's new spirits we're, we're, we're fighting in this world. There, it's not new to God, but there are new things to the church that we're facing. So I understood that. And God was giving new things for this hour, and we changed the we changed the face of the church with the new new and fresh logo, and we we rewrote all the policies, procedures, typed up fresh bylaws for the church. But you see, policies and procedures and bylaws is not what the church is. They're good to have, but it's not what the church is. That's not our vision. 
That's not our vision. That, that's not our mission. It's to have beautiful, nicely put together, prim and proper bylaws and policies and procedures. That The church is much more than that. So God gave a mission statement for this church. But I, 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 before I read this, I, I, I want to ask a question. What is our purpose here in Athens as a church? What is our purpose here? Is it for pastor to have a great pastoral team? We do. We're blessed. And we got some amazing preachers. We've got amazing leaders. We got, we've got the greatest youth pastor there is. I mean, come on, point. Let him know. Blessed with a new, newly appointed family pastor and praise and worship leader. Some of the greatest ministers on this side of heaven that, that can preach and teach the message. I mean, it's just, we're, we're blessed. We got incredible, just incredibly blessed. But that's, that's not the purpose. Is it for us to have the greatest music department around? No. Do we? I think so. I think so. I, I think, my goodness, this morning... I, I, I look up, and I, it just, I know I always mention this, but I can't help it. I just can't help it. I look up, and I, I see Faith leading us on the keys, and I look over. I, I see Presley on the drums. I see Noelle here singing solos, and, you know, and then, then there's the rest of the bunch. I'm just kidding. The rest of the bunch is the reason that these young'uns are doing this. But that's not our purpose. This music team is good, but I'm telling you, they're going to get even better. They operate under the anointing. But that's not our purpose. Is it to have the largest building in town? Is that our purpose? Is that what we're shooting for? No, it's not. Will we? I believe someday absolutely we will because of the people that's going to be coming. I do believe that. But that's not our purpose. It's not our purpose. Is it to be just another church in Athens? No. Is it to rub shoulders with the community once or twice a year at an event? No. Is it just to have a place to belong to? No. Then what is the purpose of the church? If you don't know this, I'll read it. This is yours and mine, our church. This is our mission statement. Our mission and life point is to offer hope and healing to Southeast Ohio and beyond to make disciples of Jesus Christ through prayer, the word, personal involvement in the kingdom and fellowship. LifePoint exists to shine the light of God's love in the earth beginning here at home in Athens, Ohio. God has set in motion a spiritual movement that is transforming lives and communities across the world. That's who we are. The purpose of this church right here is not to be the biggest it's not that, but the purpose of this church right here is to love souls and to make disciples. Our purpose is to finish what Jesus started. Our purpose is to fulfill 
his last words before he left. He said, go, go, don't sit on a pew. Get up and go and teach. Go find somebody. Make a disciple. He says, somebody won you. It's time for you to go win somebody else. It is not our purpose to be pretty and look good on the side of the road, but God said, get out of the building. Go and teach and preach and reach. That is our purpose. I can't do it all on my own. You get people here, I promise you, I'll preach them truth. I love how Brother Vinny Azzolini said it. He said they call it a pool pit for a reason. You pull people out of the pit. Go find the people that are down in the gutters and the pits and bring them in here to the church and I'll preach the truth to them and I will do my best to pull them out of the pit into an altar where they can find repentance and they can find salvation and they can find Jesus named baptism. But we got to do it as a church. That's our purpose. Somebody shout last words. There's something special in last words. It's in the last words of Jesus in Matthew 28. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And if you're confused on that scripture, it says in the name, which we know the name is. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So what Mark says the last words of Jesus were is this in Mark 16, 15 and 16. And he, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not shall be damned. Very straightforward. So Matthew records the last words of Jesus as this, go and teach. Mark records the last words of Jesus as go and teach. Then here comes Dr. Luke. Luke 24, 47. He says and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all line up what Jesus was saying. Go teach and go make disciples. That's what I'm telling you to do. So what's, what, what does John have written for this? John 20, 21. Then, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you. He's saying the reason that I'm here is the same reason that I'm sending you out. You're going to go do what I came to do. You're going to finish what I started. So we see the last words of Jesus. Even as I have gone, so I send you. As I go, it's going to be completed. So this morning, I'm commissioning you this morning, Life Point. God is saying to us, you are my hands and you are my feet. He's saying that you are my body. I came before you 
I came to a lost and dying world. I paid the ultimate price of sin. He says, here, listen to my last words. Listen to my last words here in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's saying, listen, listen to me. I'm commissioning you this morning. This is what you're supposed to do. This is your purpose. I'm telling you right now that you're supposed to go. Don't just sit on this. Don't come in here on Sundays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays and sit on the pew and hear the word of God and take it in but never do anything with it. He said, but I'm commissioning you to go take this word out into a lost and dying world and go share it and tell them there is hope for their future. So we see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but then we get to Acts. And that's when the Apostolic Pentecost Church gets all excited. Hallelujah. We get to Acts. And it says in Acts 1 and 8, I read it earlier, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what's the next line? You shall be witnesses unto me. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Anybody receive the Holy Ghost in this place? Anybody got the power of the Holy Ghost in this place? You've got the power of the Holy Ghost. He says, and then you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, he doesn't sound, listen, you shall be witnesses unto me where? In Athens. You shall be witnesses unto me in Middleport. You shall be witnesses unto me on Ohio University campus. You shall be witnesses unto me in the state of Ohio, southeast Ohio, in Ohio, in America, around the world, wherever I send you. I'll bring up missionaries out of this church. I'll raise up young men to be missionaries. He said, you send them to go and pray. But I'm telling you right now, we've got the power because the Holy Ghost has fallen upon this church. We've got the truth. We preach the truth. So therefore, if we've got the truth, we need to use that power and we need to finish the rest of the scripture. He says, be witnesses unto me where I place you. That means go win souls. We have the power to fulfill the great commission. And we have the power to fulfill his last words. His last words. I'm almost done. I want to share this story real quick. Luke 19, 1 through 3. This is something probably a lot of us heard when we were, we were in Sunday school. And we would sing that little song that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. I thought it was just me for a second. I thought, man, maybe my teacher wrote that. I don't know. I want to talk about Zacchaeus just for a moment as I bring us so close today. Zacchaeus 19, 1 through through 3, starting with it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because 
he was of little stature. He was, he was tiny. He was a little man. Probably had little man syndrome. Always getting lost. Look, I got a good friend of mine. Poor little guy. I'm not going to mention his name, but I would always mess with him. And, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to say his last name. His first name is Ben. My wife knows who I'm talking about. That's his sister's about the same height as him. His whole family is about the same height. And I would always tease him. And I was standing right next to him. I'd say, Has anyone seen Ben? Guys, we lost Ben. Has anyone seen Ben? It's the joys of being tall. You get to mess with your short friends. But here's Zacchaeus. He can't get to Jesus. Because he's 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 little. He can't make his way through the crowd because they're pressing up against Jesus. There's no way to get to him. And as I was reading this, it just hit me that he could not get there because he was a little stature. Jesus, man, this hit me. Jesus was hidden by the one who really needed him and wanted him by his own followers so much that he couldn't get to him. Those who knew Jesus already were blocking the path to him for those who had not yet met him. We got to be careful sometimes. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I, I, I encourage coming to the altar. But I believe there will be something. I haven't seen it yet. There will be something so powerful that instead of coming up every Sunday, oh, Lord, woe is me. Here's my problems. Here's my list. It's about as long as a CVS receipt. You know that's long. It's like, oh, you're handing out free books, CVS. Like, my goodness. But as Christians, we're still guilty of coming up, and we, we could fill the altars and pack them all day long for our own needs to be met. When's the last time that you grabbed somebody by the hand that you invited to church and you walk them to an altar and say, excuse me, will you make room? My needs don't matter today. I already know the master. But I need to make some room. See, a lot of times we're so guilty, we get around him and we press him. We cover Jesus up that the world can't even get to him. They can't even see him. And because of our own problems, a lot of times we go out and we forget that there's a lost and dying world because our world's just not perfect even though we have him. Zacchaeus was there. He said, I can't, even, I can't even see him. I can't even get to him. And in verse 4, it says, And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. He knew Jesus was coming. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down. Now listen, it might have been a shock to everybody else. Oh, where did he come from? But Jesus knew right where Zacchaeus was before he ever got there. you got to understand, there, there are people that are out in this world right now, in this city right now. There are people right now 
I guarantee you there are people right now in this city that are contemplating taking their own life because depression is just too much and they don't know what to do. Jesus knows right where they're at, but he's saying, I need my body to get out and be the feet and be the hands and go find them and grab them and bring them to me. It's no shocker. He knows where they're at. He knows where they're at, but he's wanting us to position ourselves to know his heartbeat so we can know where they're at too, so we can submit to his word and he can guide our feet right to them. It's as Brother Hudson says, it is a divine appointment. We lack divine appointments in our lives. You said, Brother Hudson has them a lot, it seems like. He's a man of faith. His heartbeat beats after God's heart. He prays every morning, God, put somebody in my path that I can witness to. God, put somebody in my path I can pray for. God, let, let me pray somebody through the Holy Ghost today. That's his passion. That's why he calls himself Holy Ghost Junkie. He can't get enough of it. He can't get enough of winning souls. Just, just last week... Uh, my mom got to hold me. My, my cousin, second cousin, has been wanting the Holy Ghost. He's been talking about it for a few years now. And he got rushed to the hospital, heart, major heart issues. And uh, they, they got to hold me. And my mom said, can you please call Rick? I said, I'll call him. I, I called Rick and uh, I talked to him over the phone. And I said, Rick, I said, man, you know the Holy Ghost is for you. He said, oh, I, I know. He said, I want it so bad. I said, Rick, you can have it. He's in the hospital. I can hear the nurses in the background. I can hear him talking, asking him questions. He's trying to talk to me and talk to them at the same time. And I just, I, I felt, I, I, I knew it. I knew it. I was going to pray for him. And I was getting ready to ask him, hey, Rick, can I pray for you real quick? And the Lord said, have Brother Hudson call him. He's going to get the Holy Ghost. Yes. Now, I could have said, well, excuse me, Lord. Why can't I pray for him? I could have got an attitude, but I submitted to the voice of God. I said, yes, Lord. I don't, I don't need to know why. God doesn't need to explain himself to you. So if you think he needs to explain himself to you, you need to step down off that, that high horse you're on. Okay? God doesn't owe you an explanation. God doesn't owe you an explanation. He says, do it, you just do it. If not, you miss out on what he was going to do. He'll find somebody else. There's always somebody who's submitted to him. So I submitted, and I said, okay. I said, Rick, I'm going to have somebody call you. You don't know who he is, but he's going to call you. Just answer the phone. Okay. So I called Brother Hudson. He's in Arizona. I said, hey, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just living the dream. Praying people through the Holy Ghost. I know that's what you do. And uh, I said, I, I, well, I've got something for you. He said, what, what do you got? What do you got for me? And you know, he's like, he's like up here all the time. And I, and I said, uh, well, my cousin's in the hospital. He's having major heart issues. He's wanting the Holy Ghost for, for, for three. He said, what's his number? I said, well, hold up. I'm going to get that to you. I said, I'll text it to you as soon as we hang up. He said, okay. All right, text it to me. Love you too, man. So I sent over the, the number, and he called my, my cousin Rick, and 
and Rick answered the phone, and he explained to him who he was, and he said, he said, hey, hey Rick, Rick's from Kentucky. He's just a good old country boy. He said, hey, Rick, he said, I want to FaceTime you. He said, you want to what? He fa- FaceTime. He said, I, I want to see your face. I want to see your mouth when I talk to you. And he said, you're going to get the Holy Ghost. He said, well, I don't know how to do that. And he said, he goes, I got a flip phone. He said, well, that's not going to work. He said, what does your wife have? He said, one of those flat phones. Flat phones just like that. One of those flat phones. And he said, yeah, that's what I need. I knew Brother Matt, you'd like that. He said, he said I, I need one of those. I'm not making fun. I love it. I wish I talked like that. The preachers that have a southern accent, they just, my goodness, for some reason, they just like, they get called to go preach everywhere because southern accent. It's like more anointing because you got southern accent or something. I don't know. But Brother Hudson FaceTimes his wife and says, can you give the phone to Rick? He starts praying with Rick right there in the hospital room. Rick receives the Holy Ghost. That, come on. Brother Hudson doesn't stop there. He says, what's your wife think about this? He said, give her the phone. He said, Melody, what do you think about this? She, she's just crying. She said, oh, I, I want it too. He said, lift your hands up right now. You're going to get the Holy Ghost. And she lifted her hands up. She went to speak in tongues. Got the Holy Ghost right there. There's an urgency for souls. And I told Rick, I said, listen, whenever you get out of that hospital, the day you get out, you let me know. I'm driving to Kentucky, and I'm baptizing you guys in Jesus' name. It's going to happen. But you have to understand something. That we, 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 could, we could easily just block people off to Jesus. But we've got to make ourselves open. We see here that Zacchaeus says, Jesus knows right where he's at. He says, come down. Get down out of that tree. He said, for today I must abide at thy house, Zacchaeus. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, I pray we never get, we're never guilty of this. When they saw Zacchaeus come down out of the tree, the followers of Jesus, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be the guest with a man that is a sinner. How dare he, the Savior of the world, Hang out with sinners. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For so much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save which those which are lost. He didn't come looking for the saved or the righteous. I don't go out to other churches. I don't visit other churches on Sundays and go in and say, hey, would you like to come to Life Point next Sunday with me? We're looking to grow our numbers. You look like you've got it all together. You'd be a good fit. I don't have to work on you much. It's called proselyting. We don't do that. Because that's not our purpose. 
our purpose is to find the ones who are broken. Our purpose is to find the Zacchaeus. The ones who say, and I can't even hardly get to them. I don't even know what to do. How am I going to do this? But Jesus today is saying, listen, I have come to save those that are lost. And this city is full of those that are lost. They're lost. As musicians come. We can all stand. I'm going to close out with this right here. And I, I do ask that if you would, I know, I hope I didn't go, I haven't gone too long, but I do ask for just the next few moments, if you would just give me your, your undivided attention. I want to share with you a word that the Lord brought to this place in this place on Tuesday night in a prayer meeting this last Tuesday. The Lord said their interpretation on Tuesday night to this church. I, the Lord, your God, knows how to give good gifts to his children. I have given you the gift of salvation. I have given you everlasting life. I have given so many blessings unto you. And it is my desire to give you the greatest gift that I can offer to you in this world. The gift of souls. The gift of the harvest. He said, I have a treasure trove of souls bound in captivity. That I, your God, desire to release unto you. Souls that are bound in their sin and their sickness. Souls that are seeking release. But I saith unto you. This kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. You must posture yourself for the harvest. You must posture yourself for the harvest. You must prepare the way for the wheat and the tares to be separated and for the harvest to be received. As I listen to that, I begin to think of a little nobody named Zacchaeus who said, everybody else has him crowded. How can I get the attention of Jesus? How can I get to where he is? How can I get him to see me? How can I posture myself to do what I need to do? and to fulfill my calling in my life. So he climbed that sycamore tree to posture himself and position himself to get the attention of Jesus. Because he knew the wealth and the riches and everything he had in this world, that was not his purpose. 
he knew there was much more to him than that. I cry out to this church this morning. There is much more to you than your job. There is much more to you than your paycheck that you get. There is much more to you than the car that you drive and the house you live in and the education you're getting. There is much more to you. I'm not saying those things are wrong until they take the place and they pos- those, those take the position that where God should be in your life. That's when it's wrong. And I'm telling you, God is going to pull us back and reposition us because he said the great revivals I've been talking about the treasure trove of souls he said I desire to pour it out to you if you will position yourself for it the prophecy that went forth this year a brother Hudson was here and he said by the end of this year you'll have to go to two services that is, that, that's not out of Trust me, that is, that is not some out in left field kind of thing. You say, well, how would that ever happen? You want to know how that happens? Position ourselves for revival. Position ourselves. Get ourselves ready for the revival. God says, I've got them ready. I'm already working on their hearts. I'm preparing them. I'm just looking for a church that is postured for the souls. Do you love souls this morning? Do you love souls this morning? Can we get past ourselves this morning? Can we can we get to cry out, God, send it down, Lord. God, let it rain, God. God, let the winds blow across this city, Lord. God, let the fire fall that I've experienced. God, use me, God, to go out and reach somebody else, to teach Bible studies, God. Use me, use my home, use my family, God, use my kids. God is crying out. He's looking for somebody this morning. If you want to be that that person if you want to be a part of that will you step out right now and come posture yourself position yourself at an altar and cry out God use me God use me God use my family use my home God reposition me change my mind Lord I submit to you I submit to your will I submit to your ways God God show me your heartbeat show me your passions God what is it that drives you Lord God, show me your love. Let me fall in love with you so I can love the things that you love this morning. God, in this place, Lord, have your way right now. Have your way, oh God. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Hallelujah, Lord. Now pour of your spirit. Oh, Lord. Fill this place. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, there's a lot of room up here in this altar. Come on. You're not coming for yourself. You're coming for souls. You're coming for the lost. Come on, you're coming for the lost. Come on, your family that doesn't know him yet. Come on, come up here for your family. Stand in for your children. Stand in for the prodigals. Give us souls. Give us a love and a passion for 